0: blog talk radio greetings and good evening my name is joelle and i'm the vibrarian i would love to welcome you to tonight's episode of pages in stages an auditory experience Every week, I am here with you on the Vibrary Radio Network on Blog Talk Radio, and in this particular programming, we're working through books and chapters and phases and stages, however long we can get through from evening to evening. And it's kind of like just Sunday night story time, if you ask me. Now, um, on the Vibrary Radio Network, we have lots of programming that I'm bringing forth for you. My goal is to elevate, enlighten, and empower you with information that I think you'll find interesting and helpful. Now, every Tuesday, we have the Psychic Inside Show, where we We get to have interviews with people who have journeyed fully into discovering their psychic gifts and abilities, and uh, they share with us about their life, their journey, their experience, uncovering those aspects of themselves and what it looks like for them in present day to be living in a reality that is touched by psychic awareness. On Thursdays, the Vibrarian Show, and that's a free-for-all talk show. If there's a topic you want to talk about, we've covered astrology, divination, astral projection, astral travel. Uh, it, there's pretty much no stone left unturned on Thursdays. If there's something you want to talk about, then definitely give me a shout-out. I'd love to put it on the air. I would love for you to also connect with a community of people that are coming together. I like to call the Good Vibe Tribe. As we know, your vibe attracts your tribe, and there's a wonderful group of people that are coming together um, in the online communities, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find and connect up by connecting with The Vibrarian, and that is at T-H-E-V-I-B-E, as in energy, R-A-R- I-A-N. That's the vibrarian. And if you see something that is uplifting, that is positive, that is helpful for people to know, something that will put a smile on their face or improve their lives, please just tag me in that. You can also use the hashtag GoodVibeTribe and I will do my best to share those messages with as many people as possible because we all need a little levity. We all need a little love and a little light in our lives. And so my goal is to continue to pass, the spark on, wherever it may be. So on pages and stages, I'm reading a book entitled The Turnaround Time by Liz Groman Nolan. Now Miss Uh Nolan is a twin flame who wrote this story to talk about her journey with her twin flame from the time of Atlantis and forward. I read this book a couple, I guess about a year ago, and it's gone out of print since then, so I wanted to capture the story for other people to be able to also enjoy it, hopefully as much as I did. Last week we covered uh, the first chapter in the stage that we had together, and tonight we're going to just jump right on in with Chapter 2 and see how far the journey goes this evening. Now, I am reading it exactly as it is written by the author, and you can find out information about um, her, including copies of the cover of the book if you're interested. You can look on my Facebook page, and if you missed last week's episode, then you can always catch up on the first stage, Chapter 1, on the Vibrary YouTube channel. That's at youtube.com slash c slash the Vibrary, T-H-E-V-I-B-E-R-A-R-Y. You can catch up on any chapters from week to week as we're unfolding this journey together. So without further ado this evening, I'm going to be sharing with you from the turnaround time where we left off last week. And tonight we start with Chapter 2, The Letter. It was a long time later when my love came to see me. I was no longer living in our dome home in the hills. And only the youngest daughter, now a teenager, was living in our new home. Our home was on the dock, which had a reputation as the darkest part of the village. We lived there along with my new partner. I met my new partner by the dock one evening during the festival. The festival was an annual tradition in the land, where both villagers and even some Hills residents commingled in a celebratory event of music, dancing, performances, food, and vendors of all kinds. This was the one time of year that the seaport at the dock was open to anyone, and many locals from other islands would come and share their arts and craft, music, and magic. The festival was a supremely mystical event. Many sorcerers and sorceresses used drumming, dancing, and the burning of powerful herbs for the sole purpose of invoking a trance-like state in participants to release the inner serpent and invoke sensual euphoric bliss. The inner serpent was the most powerful creative and sexual life force of the universe one that was meant to be released only in the presence of an open heart. But at the festival, it would run wild. While from the outside this looked like a happy party, intense energies were unleashed here. Many children were born to people who had sex during the festival. They were conceived to parents without open hearts and under the influence of the inner serpent this lack of love caused a variety of problems for these children they felt they belonged nowhere they were lost and confused and over time the lost children were increasing in number the festival went on for three days and nights it was on the third evening that i made the decision to attend my love and i had never once attended the festival during our time together and I could not really explain why I decided to attend now that he was gone, except that after many months of living in the great shutdown, I needed to have some fun. I was already living in the dark anyway. My love had warned me about not spending any time anywhere where there was not regular direct exposure to the sun's rays unless I was assisting. But in his absence, his words felt meaningless to me. I watched the smoke coming from the festival from the balcony of my overgrown outdoor garden. I could smell the scent of the smoke, and I felt hypnotized. I am a little ashamed to say that I like the feeling of numbness. After months of unbearable heaviness, I welcomed this feeling. Through what felt like an invisible force, I found myself at the festival. I do not know how I got there. It is blank to me now, and I think it was then too. I had been having increasing bouts of blackout periods of forgetting after my love left. The dark portal the area known in the dock in the village as the dock in the village did not get much sun because of its position in between the mountains. Even when the sun did shine, it always appeared dim and cloudy there. In fact, it was rumored that the ships and sailboats that arrived at the dock were coming from a dark portal to other worlds and other time-space frequencies, the past and the future, allowing strange beings to get onto our land. I personally never saw anyone unusual-looking, but I did not know that these beings were in the unseen world of the afterlife and that they were behind the embassy takeover and the disappearance of my love. My love's entire construction business had been focused on building dome homes that maximized sunlight. The homes were carefully placed geographically in order to heighten the sun's interactions with the land and create a perfect flow of nourishing energy from the force field of light. This came directly from the Supreme Creator and nourished the planet, its inhabitants, and all earthly life. The sun's energy flow gave life-sustaining nutrients and maximized human potential in a way that was completely harmonious with nature. Sunlight empowered and it brightened the energy fields of people and was a direct pathway for the force field of light. The proper placement of the homes helped people stay in harmony with their own higher spiritual natures and wisdom. In essence, the proper placement and construction of homes kept the land and the people at the highest level of love by keeping their energy fields strong and bright. My love, as a man of the sun understood the importance of the sun in all decisions related to where homes were placed and where we spent our time. I did not realize how important the sun was for my work as a lineage healer, for nourishing my energy and enhancing my ability to receive the highest wisdom. My love would say, let's get up at sunrise, the best time of day to welcome in the sunlight. And we did every day. This daily ritual built up our personal energy fields and protected us from outside influences. None of these things were clear to me until my abilities diminished long after my love left and I was in darkness. I also did not know that it was because of my love's knowledge about the sunlight that the Embassy members were so interested in him. They wanted him to use his abilities for their benefit and assess the placement and construction of homes to actually minimize the power of the sunlight and instead give them the tools to reduce the collaboration of the Earth's natural energies with the land and the people. They wanted full control of everything. The embassy knew that reduced sun exposure would render the planet weak in utilizing its own resources. It would ultimately diminish the energy fields of all, and reduce the benefit from the force field of light of the Supreme Creator. They wanted my love to show them how to build homes and place them where they could thrive in a lack of light. They later even developed their own artificial force field of energy that I call the ARTI, A-R-T-I, which mimicked the force of light from the Supreme Creator. This was confusing many people. The Others and the Dark Ones. The embassy was under the influence of the dark ones in the unseen world. These were earthbound spirits who could not move through the gateway to heaven into the spirit world after death. These earthbound spirits, now termed the dark ones, were just regular people who died, but because of not moving on fully with open hearts, got influenced by the others. The others were another group of non-physical beings who were never human and did not belong to earth and had their own agenda to enter and control the land. Most earthbound spirits were trapped on earth because of unfinished business with earthly matters and an overall refusal to accept death. Living with closed hearts on earth, they committed many unloving acts towards themselves and others and were afraid of punishment and their own feelings in the afterlife. Because they died with closed hearts, they landed in darkness and could not see the loving angels waiting to assist them through the gateway to heaven. The darkness had them terrified that they were in hell and being punished for wrongdoing. The afterlife always mirrors the truth of the state of love in one's heart. Instead of taking responsibility for their closed hearts, they turned in fear towards the others who appeared to them as saviors and were master manipulators who truly thrived in this lack of light. All the while, the loving angels from the Supreme Creator shined a soft, glowing light to help the earthbound spirits move into love, acceptance, and forgiveness. The loving angel's sole purpose was to assist these spirits to cross over fully through the gateway to heaven into the spirit world. But the earthbound spirits were no more open to love and truth after death than they were while alive. Their continued refusal to open their hearts made them perfect prey and eventually host for the others who would configure themselves to appear as angels by manipulating the arch and projecting blinding white light, which convinced many earthbound spirits that they were in the presence of the Supreme Creator. The others who used these earthbound spirits to further their own agenda now easily influenced and directed them until any light left within them was gone, turning many earthbound spirits into the dark ones. With no more light of their own to guide them now, They thought they were safe in the blinding bright light of the others and followed orders, so to speak. All of this happened because of the fear of their own hearts and feeling their painful regrets, losses, and decisions upon arriving into the afterlife. This is what they chose rather than going with the loving angels through love and forgiveness. The others often taught them how to roam among the living and attach to beings in the physical world while in the unseen world. Taking life-sustaining energy from these people, whose energy fields were often already compromised, caused these people to become dark ones too. And the earthbound dark ones were now being fed and energized in the afterlife by these physical beings whose own life force was being drained causing them to be easily controlled this created an army of dark ones both in the physical world and the spirit world the earthbound state the earthbound state was a very uncomfortable one because the afterlife was designed to be temporary with a waiting room where loving angels escorted all spirits through the gateway to heaven A prolonged stay in the afterlife caused immense unrest and a malaise and depletion of energy. The afterlife was not a place to stay, but rather a place to come into resolution of the life lived within the soul by feeling fully, even painful emotions, and it could only be exited with an open heart. The earthbound spirits, now having become dark ones, received relief and felt energized by attaching themselves within the weakened energy fields of the living, and they could escape the natural laws of the afterlife, which require responsibility, love, forgiveness, and facing the truth. The Agenda The Ancient Brothers and Sisters, or ABS, who were from the family of light and the oldest inhabitants on earth of recorded time were the most noble, humbly, and wealthy of all people everywhere. The ABS held the ancient power and secrets of the universe known as the code and led the land long before the embassy took over leadership. They had large beautiful energy fields which were eventually compromised and weakened through a carefully constructed plan by the embassy. By weakening their energy fields, the dark ones who were entrenched in the embassy began taking over the personal wills, minds, and bodies of the ABS. This is a very sad memory for me, watching these spectacular beings become almost zombie-like. The others had presence on other planes, planet, and places, but had taken special interest in the earth because they could feel the presence of the inner serpent. They wanted the power from the inner serpent for themselves. They did not care that it was meant to be exercised with an open heart. In fact, their agenda was for humanity to close down the heart altogether. They targeted the most open-hearted beings on the planet, the ABS, all of whom were living in unification with their twin souls. They shut them down and separated them from their twins so that they could gain power on the planet, a planet that thrived on an open heart and the great love flowing from twin flame mergence. Two twin souls in union anchored the force field of light, and in this, The perfect balance of the masculine and the feminine could thrive on the planet, and that is why twin souls were targeted. That is the agenda of the others. The dark ones affected the ABS through their now weakened energy fields by invading their minds. This form of mind control was the greatest weapon and caused the ABS to make decisions that they normally would never make. The Dark Ones did this through electromagnetic field interference, altering the natural environment drastically, which weakened the bright and large energy fields of the ABS. The Dark Ones utilized crystals for directing energy and were establishing methods to use these rocks of light to manipulate the climate. This climate change, together with the sunlight interference, was hurting the ancient brothers and sisters most of all. The Dark Ones learned about the power of crystals from studying with the shamans of light in the village, born to the family line of master shamans who understood the healing power of the crystals and rocks. Many embassy members who were now also Dark Ones because of influence by the earthbound spirits as Dark Ones sent female partners disguised as apprentices to learn how the magic of the crystals operated. It was very dangerous to use crystals in magic without an open heart and a devotion to the positive use of the power to help others. The dark ones were giving the ancient brothers and sisters homes that were placed in ways that drained their power and wisdom through a lack of light, unnatural chemicals in the soil and food, as well as placing electromagnetic devices and crystal control underground disrupting the normal flow of the force field of light this was all deliberately designed to dismantle the energy fields of the ancient brothers and sisters especially damaging to the abs was the placement of these homes which lacked direct from direct light from the sun and were not the dome homes they were used to designed to increase light These new square homes were surrounded by astoundingly beautiful landscapes of trees, brooks, and greenery. This tricked many ABS into feeling that the homes were truly good because there was so much nature. Because they were not feeling their own guiding instincts due to the infiltration of the dark ones into their energy field, they could not discern what was happening and were losing themselves. Landowners, led by embassy members infiltrated by the Dark Ones, had an elaborate plan for substituting natural resources for man-made, chemically-based ones. Unknown to the ancient brothers and sisters, much of the manicured greenery around the square homes was man-made and maintained by electronic devices underground. The ancient brothers and sisters held so much light in their energy fields that helped all beings, but with that energy disappearing, many people everywhere were losing their natural-born ability to feel a higher spiritual presence. They were losing their wisdom, their inner knowing, and the connection to the supreme creator. It was as if the light slowly went out everywhere, especially for me. Without an open heart, people were living in fear and thereby helping darkness to root itself in the land. The dark ones knew that by instilling fear in the place of love in the hearts of all, they could maintain presence. My new partner. My new partner owned the pub on the dock for the villagers, mainly men who were sailing between our land, Atlantis, and other islands, including the Dark Island. Several prison camps for anti-embassy rebels were located in this area. There were many coming to and from the Dark Island to monitor the events taking place there. I never paid much attention to that sort of activity. It frightened me, and I did not want to feel my fear or acknowledge my feelings about what was really happening on the Dark Island after the unfortunate, unforgettable traumatic moment when I saw my love there with another woman. The pub provided food and drink as well as entertainment for these traveling men. My new partner was a man among men in this part of the village. He liked to socialize with his customers and saw having the pub as a positive place for many to have a good meal and a drink while traveling. I was very active in the women's liberation movement as an active liber. And I saw my life on the mountain and the hills as one where I was a sheltered and dutiful wife abandoned by my partner. I convinced myself, along with the help of many livers, that I was not really myself when I was with my love. The livers said that my love's disappearance was just an opportunity for me to become my own person as a strong and powerful woman. I now welcomed this new lifestyle. My new partner was occupied much of the time tending to the pub, and I was free to do my own thing. He never bothered with me much. I liked not worrying about my new partner, and I also liked not being in an all-consuming relationship like the one I had with my love. After all, what was the point of that kind of love if it ended in misery? I now considered my relationship with my love to have been unhealthy. I told myself the idea of losing myself to an overprotective partner was no longer appealing. With my new partner, I was safe from that feeling. My memory of our life on the hills was fading every day to the point that I sometimes wondered if it even ever existed. I began to like my new life in the village. I still assisted in healing ceremonies from time to time, but mostly by personal request, which was not protocol. My intuition and dream time awareness was shut down. This period of the great shutdown was the beginning of the loss of my true power, as well as the connection to my own heritage as a woman of the divine order of the feminine. I did not know this was because my love and I were in separation, or that I was in fact shut down because he was. I also did not know that we were being targeted as twins by the dark ones. Most of my time was spent in matters pertaining to the women's liberation movement. I focused on helping women who felt wronged by men. The lippers were focusing on deeming men dangerous and bad and encouraging total liberation from the oppression of all men, even the good ones. Who needs a man anyway was their motto. My new partner and I never spoke about my love. My daughters adapted to my new partner, and the older ones had their own partners. The youngest daughter spent a lot of time in the pub with my new partner, and we developed a regular routine. My parents were not too comfortable at the dock, but they were glad I had a new partner and that I seemed happier now. After all, they had saw me in the worst imaginable depression after my love left. My mother had lost access to most of her wisdom after she and my dad were moved out of their dome home to a new square home along with most of the ancient brothers and sisters. Despite my mother's concerns about the Libbers, they were happy that I found a cause that it kept me busy. None of us knew then that the Libbers were the female counterparts of the Dark Ones, or that the Dark Ones were pretty much taking over the destruction On the day that my love came to the door, I was not in the least bit expecting him. When I opened the door, I doubled over in pain, screaming. He caught me, was holding me, telling me he loved me. By the time I calmed down, I began yelling at him. I was blinded by anger. Why did you come here? You don't belong here. You are dead to me. Leave. He looked so distraught. I refused to see the pain in his eyes. I was so consumed with rage that I only wanted to hurt him. He stood for everything that I taught women to despise. I want to see the children. I have to tell you what happened. I could barely hear him. Nothing made sense. It sounded like babble. I I yelled more. I don't care what happened. I found you. I saw you with my own eyes. You were with another woman. No, you have it all wrong. I told you not to come for me. Begging to explain, I refused to listen to him. What does that have to do with anything? Of course I came for you. What is wrong with you? I turned away. He put his arms around me from behind. For a fleeting moment, I remembered his loving embrace, the one that could make me forget everything. He said to me, I'm sorry. I want to come home. I belong with you. No, I said, you must leave. He succumbed to my rejection. He accepted it. In fact, now he appeared to me like he did in the final conversation, unconcerned with my feelings. I got confused now. He was coming back for me, yet all I could see was the final conversation when he left, frozen in time inside of me. His words meant nothing to me. He also seemed so weak, so willing to walk away. I could not turn to look at him one more time. He placed the letter in my hand and left. I will confess that part of me was furious that he did not try harder, but I would not admit that to myself. I felt that if he loved me enough, he would not have never left to begin with, and I would not let that go. He would have tried harder to get me sooner, and the mere notion that he spent time away from me and the children in the arms of another woman was beyond my ability to grasp. I was scared that he had a side to him that I did not know about and that our life had been a lie. The women's liberation movement certainly seemed to indicate that, and I had family members and friends who told me that as well. That was the last time I saw him physically in that life. I did not open the letter at first. I did not tell anyone that I saw him. I just went about my days for a while, thinking about how stupid I once was for ever believing in love. I wallowed in this mental rumination and numbness rather than feel my grief, or any emotions, really. The great shutdown had me reduced to feeling only one emotion, and that was anger. It was late one night, and my new partner was in the pub. I could hear the music and the men talking and laughing. It was then that an overwhelming desire came over me rather suddenly. I read the letter. I do not know why. I just did. My love, I am devastated beyond words writing this, because if you are reading this, it will be because you decided not to take me back. I want you to know what happened to me. I was a rebel, as you probably figured out, and we had the plan of intervening with the embassy because of their activities, which included getting rid of huge parts of the population by both weather and food control and grand manipulation by crystals and electronic devices. I used their interest in me as a way to get into their world. Our land was slowly being taken over by the dark ones through the embassy. My good friend Ruby denied he was getting caught up in the culture of the embassy as an insider. Ruby, once my best friend, was now threatening to ruin me if I did not comply with him and begin changing the code for the dome homes so they could function in the new weather patterns that the embassy was altering. I decided I would go along with him just long enough to learn what was going on in the embassy. There were a few of us who were well-connected in the embassy, and we had a plan to gain the vote of much of the embassy to change leadership, and everything was in place. Ruby's threats were enough for me to separate and go underground for a while to better plan things. I led the embassy to believe that I was now completely on their side, which meant leaving my family. Most of the men in power there had left their families to live and stay there full time. I had to be believable. While inside, I was given access to the great crystal. This is the crystal through which the weather was being altered. We had a plan together with three of my allies to deactivate the great crystal by changing the intentions of the men involved in the programming of it. You see, my love, the embassy members are fueled by the dark ones. They are controlling a large group of members who are emotionally damaged enough to allow their influence. In the final days before the takeover, When many of the men were being taken to the Dark Island for a regular festive event, it appeared to me to be a kind of male bonding ritual, and it was known that to be trusted, attendance was essential. When I got there, I knew I was in trouble. I do not know to this day if I was drugged or ill, but much time went by, and all I can remember is that I would occasionally come to lying down and fawned over by a female I did not know. I had lost all of my own will. Words would not even come out of my mouth. Stealing the wills of the men seemed to be what these women did. I am pretty sure this was accomplished by sexual sorcery. I understand only now that my own emotional weakness allowed this energy to enter me. I denied many of my feelings of wanting to be with you in our union and to be with our children. I was motivated by my fears to try and change what was happening in the embassy. I also thought it was what was expected of me as a man of the sun. I am aware that my will was taken over by this woman on the dark island, but I swear to you with the entire fabric of my being that this was not what I wanted. I am still trying to make sense of what happened to me. Somehow the, system, the embassy had a system to weed out potential rebels. Non-rebels thrived on the island because they willingly gave their will to the embassy. Therefore, the rebels were easily distinguished from those willing. Here is where I failed, as did my two friends. Oddly, it was Ruby who eventually came and helped me leave. I am not clear how he did this, but I was finally on the outside. I came home to find everything altered. I saw our dome home on the hills ruined and none of you were there. I know you don't want to listen to me, but please consider what I am telling you. According to what I can gather, there will be a severe weather event very soon. It is important that you get out of here and take the children with you. If you want my help, you will find me near the falls at Oakmont. Always know that, regardless of what you see, hear, or witness, I love you as much now as I ever have. You and the children are everything to me. I will love you till the end of time. That was the letter. Reading his words had a profound effect. As a lineage healer, I could feel people through their written words, and as much as I wanted to shut my love out, his energy was with me that night, all night. Falling asleep after hours of wailing and crying, I was tormented, confused, terrified, and I could not keep my eyes open. It was in the dream time that I found my love at the falls at Oakmont the falls. The falls at Oakmont was a place my love and I often visited outside the village. The falls were twin sets of waterfalls. We thought of one as his and one as mine. It was the dream time and I was standing in front of the falls. It was a cool day with a slight breeze. Far behind me were our four daughters basking in the water Just over the hill, beyond the falls, was a white horse. My love was standing in front of the waterfall in the water, looking into my eyes. You must get out of the village now. There is no more time. Tears filled my eyes. I wanted to reach out to him, to hold him. I don't want to leave you. Why do we always have to be apart? He replied to my thoughts. You are in danger. It is no longer safe in Atlantis. Leave right away. He stared deeply into my eyes and vanished. I woke up with no memory of the dream, but whispering in the background of my mind was my guide, like a loud voice in the wind telling me to get moving right now. I was shaking. Yet still, at first, I ignored her, but some part of me wanted her counsel because she only came to me when I was willing to listen. With each passing moment, my discomfort grew, and I was consumed with an uneasy feeling that I needed to leave the village. Despite not remembering the dream, I was in a panic driven state from the letter and the warning. There was nothing apparent happening anywhere, but I could not shake the feeling of needing to leave the land immediately. I went for a stroll away from the dock on my favorite path that I loved as a child, mainly to calm myself. I was so stunned my love came back, and I did not want to face all he told me and feel that I could have misunderstood what actually happened to him and to us. But as I was walking, I felt a change in the breeze, one that felt very different to me than anything I had felt before. Oh, no, the weather event. I made a sudden, immediate decision to leave. I began running as fast as possible. I had to get to the children somehow and go to the town where my father's white horse was kept. Running through the village, I do not know how long it took, but I do remember the skies darkening. I rode my father's horse bareback. This was the fastest way to reach all of my children who were in different locations. All of them had their own horses, and without question, as if by some strange invisible force, I swiftly located my children, and together we rode through the mountains that would lead us away from the village. I never said goodbye to my new partner. There was no time. He will be okay, I thought. As my children and I rode away, I felt the winds picking up. The sky was almost black and there was no light anywhere. Sirens were blowing. It got very cold. I thought of going back to tell my new partner, but I knew I would not make it if I had. The farther we got away from the village, into the land beyond the mountains, towards the sea on the side where the sunlight was, the better I felt. We were riding fast now, galloping on our large Atlantean horses. We rode for a long time. There was a sense of urgency. Others were also leaving the village. Not everyone had horses. Some people were running. I was riding towards a pinhole of sunlight. I could see far away beyond the darkness in the sky. It was guiding me. I knew I had to get to the light. Without warning, I felt a cold blow to the right side of my neck. I had no idea what had happened until I got up and saw my body on the ground. I had been shot with an arrow-like weapon. The children who were now ahead of me kept riding. They did not see what happened, and the man who shot me took my horse. Chapter 3, The Afterlife I was the waiting room. I was lying on a bed in a small room. Next to me was an open window where I could see a beautiful green field lined by trees. I felt a stillness within me as a warm breeze brushed against my face. A honeybee buzzing around caught my eye. I became aware of the music from the melodic chirping of many birds flying around the window. Mulling through vague memories of my life that seemed far away, I wondered why I was alone. I felt oddly detached. Placing a hand on my neck, I remembered being struck, but there was no pain. Down at myself, lying on the soft bed, I looked okay. I could tell by the shine coming from my body that I was in my spirit body. Attempting to make sense of where I was, I recalled in my mind how the women of the divine order of the feminine taught me to travel in spirit at a very young age. I would fast for three days, take sea salt baths, expose myself to direct sunlight, meditate regularly, and avoid contact with others to keep my energy field strong. On the third day, I would surround myself in the forest field of light, calling my guide and the loving angels for assistance, then will myself above my body. A silver cord would appear, anchoring my spirit body to my physical body. When the cord would tug at me even slightly, I would be back in my physical body instantly. But this time was different. I felt no anchor, and I saw no silver cord anywhere. As I continued to wonder where I was, I tried to get up off the bed. I began to move around, except my body was not following. I tried to move, but I simply could not. My peaceful, tranquil mood quickly passed, and I began to feel frantic, wondering if I was trapped. I was using all my will and everything in me just to move one toe off the bed. I was able to squirm a little, but I could not get off the bed no matter how hard I tried. I heard myself screaming, ''Help!'' I was in sheer terror. The room began to glow when I saw a blinding white light. It was much brighter than the light of the sun, which was new to me, but I figured maybe this meant something good was on its way. It was drawing me towards it, and frankly it felt soothing and somewhat relaxing. Sparking a memory of me sitting on my balcony in the hills, smelling the scent of the smoke from the festival. I wanted to close my eyes now to become one with this blinding white light. So I did. Until I felt myself being shaken by someone. I did not know who until I heard his voice, a voice I would recognize anywhere. My love was speaking firmly to me in my mind to wake up now. I opened my eyes and I saw him sitting next to me on the bed, surrounded in a purple glow. He took my hand and kissed my lips. We stared at each other for a long time. After what seemed like an eternal, timeless moment, he told me that I had passed away. We communicated through our minds as he assisted me in remembering what happened when the great destruction destroyed Atlantis. There was no mention of his disappearance or my rejection of him. He transmitted only love. He then motioned for us to go, saying that we could not stay in this place and that the blinding white light was not a good thing. As he turned to go, he took my hand, and together we were drawn into the purple glow from where he came. The Bench I do not remember anything after that or why I was not with him when I found myself with my guide under the golden arch. Communicating through our minds, she indicated that it was okay to cross under the golden arch. I was alarmed. I had never once in any of our Dreamtime visits crossed under the golden arch into the gateway to heaven. We always met under it. She motioned again for me to come. I asked her why in my mind. She explained that since I had passed away, I could cross over to the other side. So, as I, so I did. As I took a step inside, I felt a supreme lightness that was divine and wonderful, and I smiled. There was a warm, soft, inviting glow shining on my face from just beyond the horizon, I saw red, rocky mountains, birds, trees, streams, and rainbows. To my left was a wooden bench surrounded by multicolored flowers and small trees. She was pointing towards it and motioning for us to sit together. On the bench, she began talking to me to explain. When passing from the physical body, you can cross over under the golden arch into the gateway of heaven, but never before. The silver cord does not allow you to cross over while still alive in the physical. I know you did not expect any of this. This happens sometimes. A physical life ends that is complete, even when it does not feel finished. We are in between worlds here. We are neither fully in the spirit world nor the physical world. We are in the afterlife. This is a temporary place that gives needed time for the life review. The waiting room is not a place to stay. It is a place to wait for the loving angels to escort you fully into the spirit world. The waiting room supplies no life energy of its own for those who pass away. Many spirits get trapped here. Each person's experience of the waiting room is different depending on the state of love in their heart as well as their expectations and fears about the afterlife. The loving angels are always waiting to escort spirits out. The spirits must want to feel everything in their hearts. Those who get trapped in the waiting room are usually drawn back to earth to get energy from those still in the physical world, which is a resistance to the natural life and death process. They are often guided by the dark ones who come through the blinding white light that is artificial. This art I tempts many as it did you in the waiting room with the window. For some, when great love openly flows for or from their twin, it will awaken enough heartfelt love to move them out as it did with you. Once inside the gateway to heaven and after the life review, Many will be drawn to other lifetimes, especially if the twin has moved into another lifetime because twins always follow each other. The Life Review Listening to her, I kept thinking that everything seemed to happen so fast. I was confused. I began feeling uncomfortable and nervous. I was really hoping this was just another dream. More than anything, I wanted to wake up at home on the mountain I wanted to see the children, my love, our gardens. I had no thoughts about the life I left on the dock. I remembered the room and the bed, though, and I thought I was following the purple light to be with my love. But where is he now? I missed him very much. Feelings of panic came over me. I wanted to end this nightmare and run back to the other side of the Golden Arch and wake up in my bed at home in the hills. My guide turned towards me, locking my hand in hers. She looked deeply into my eyes. And quite quickly, I began to remember my life through visions in my mind. I saw my new partner lost and confused in the stormy weather in Atlantis. Winds were blowing hard. Water was rising everywhere. He did not know where we went. It was nearing the end there, and he was unable to find us. I saw his desperation and concern. He was running around frantically. He seemed crushed and angry at the same time. I could feel everything he was feeling while watching him. The feelings he had about my leaving without notice were not pleasant. Fear, anger, grief, disbelief. I should have told him what was going on and where we were going. I could not understand why I had not told him. I felt ashamed at what seemed like a callous and unloving act on my part. I I felt sorrow for him. He seemed so distraught. But then in this moment of truth, it hit me. I realized that I had always longed for my love, and had I told my new partner that my love had come to the house with the warning in the letter, He may have been hurt and angry and maybe even sensed that my heart belonged to my love. I then painfully admitted to myself that my new partner would not have believed me even if I had told him. He would not give much credence to things I would say, and he did what he wanted most of the time. I never felt he cared that much about me. Deep down, I had to face now that I felt I was mostly a convenience for him. But that was no excuse for not considering his feelings when I left. Seeing him in so much pain was awful. I was sorry that I had not told him the truth, but now at least I understood why. I feared that if I told him we needed to leave, not only would he discredit me, but he might try to stop me. I realized all this while his anger was now piercing through me. It felt like a wave of daggers that I could not block. I heard my guide clarifying. The life review is the time to revisit critical moments and feel everything you did not feel when you were alive in the physical world. This is when you face the truth. You will feel inside yourselves what others felt and feel towards you as a consequence of how you treated them. You will also feel what you felt and feel as a consequence of how they treated you. The truth of all relationships becomes transparent in the waiting room. Learning and healing happens. Compassion can develop and love can grow. Unresolved feelings carry into the afterlife and into every other life you live until fully healed. You will see again and again how fear-based decisions cause immense pain. Love is the answer, always. All decisions should come from love. Telling your new partner the truth would have been loving despite his reaction. The anger you feel from him now still affects you. This is because you feel guilt for having left instead of the true feeling of loss and regret for how you built a life based on fear, deception, denial of your real self, and the loss of your twin, and how this caused so much hurt for everyone. As she was stating the truth, I began swirling in my mind. I could not hear her anymore, and I found myself quite unexpectedly above the dark island. And then, just as I had seen him once before when I... Once before, when I traveled in spirit to Atlantis, my love was there, except now I had a much closer view. I could easily see that he was not looking well. He was thin, pale, and sick, and had his eyes covered. The woman on top of him had an evil grimace. She was having sex with him, but something very sinister was clearly happening. There was no love flowing. My love appeared sedated and confused. I could feel his pain and grief. In his mind, heart, and soul, he was trying to find me when he sensed me come near him that day. And even worse, he felt me cut him off when I rushed away in a jealous rage. I felt a wave of agonizing emotional grief and pain through my whole being. It felt insurmountable and endless no words can describe this horrible feeling. I do not know how long this went on. The Land of Denial I heard screaming voices and suddenly there were others around me. Where am I? I was walking in a very dark place. There was no sunlight. It looked like a desert full of storm clouds and grayness. There were strange looking, deformed people and animals everywhere. Most of them were lying in puddles of water and mud. Others were without limbs. I saw body parts moving around. But at least I did not feel the pain inside me anymore. Thank God. So I just walked around. No one noticed me. I wondered if I was invisible. My mind was empty. I liked feeling empty. A very long time passed. I found myself in a puddle. There was still no interaction with anyone. I felt no pain, no more daggers of anger, no more regrets and sorrow and unimaginable grief. For that I was grateful, until I heard a shrieking, cackling sound. I turned to look, and a very thin woman with wire-like gray hair and bulging eyes was standing in front of me, She pointed her scrawny, bent finger at me. Hey, you, get up. You're in my spot. I replied by telling her that I would not give up my spot. Another cackle came from her when I noticed my mouth was moving and the sound was actually coming from my own mouth. I had this uncanny, awful realization that I was actually looking at myself. That is when I went really numb. The best way I can describe it is that everything seemed to stop and I had almost no awareness left in me. In a tiny part of myself, though, which was small like the pinpoint of light I saw when escaping in Atlantis, I knew that I wanted my love badly. And through the corner of my mind, I thought I saw a purple glow. I did not realize that I was actually inside the purple light. In fact, I knew nothing and recalled nothing until I was back on the bed in the waiting room with my love holding my hand. I almost lost you. What? Was I dreaming? I'm, I'm so confused. I was with my guide. I saw the end times in Atlantis. My new partner was angry. Then I traveled to an awful dark place with deformed people everywhere. I saw you on the dark island. I am so sorry. I should have helped you. I did not realize. And as I was going to explain further, he interrupted me by kissing my lips. Life in the physical world is changing us, he said. I am helping you as much as I can, but I, too, am affected now by our emotional denials, Our separation and the darkness on the planet. I am being called forth to another life now, a new place. I will find you. Trust in our love. I was left hanging. What? Where is he now? I did not know where he went. Somehow I began to hear my guide again from the bench, and soon I found myself there. The life review happens through feelings. The memories you revisit are ones where love failed to flow, keeping you attached to the physical world and calling you back for healing. In viewing the memory of your new partner and later seeing the dark island where your twin was trapped, you felt terrible pain as you experienced what you were unwilling to fill in your physical life. But in revisiting the dark island, your pain was so overwhelming that you shut it down completely. When you chose to stop feeling your pain and saw how no love was flowing from you to your twin when he was trapped, your closed heart sent you to the land of denial. The land of denial is the darkest location in the afterlife. Those who manage to leave the waiting room can end up there at any point if they shut down the love within their hearts. This is the place where many get trapped until opening their hearts to love and forgiveness for themselves and others. This is also the place that the dark ones often intervene and shine the art which many who are unwilling to open their hearts choose to embrace. The great shutdown happens on earth and also in the afterlife. Death is not an escape from the state of one's heart. In Atlantis, you created a life with a new partner that was based on fear and anger and a desire to feel better. But the lack of authenticity separated you from yourself and therefore your twin even further. This separation then created a new set of problems with a new partner, which now also needs to heal. You are back here with me now because of an act of great love by your twin. Acts of love from others can sometimes help a person out of the land of denial. But great love from the twin can... Pull you out altogether. Your great love for your twin could have gotten him off the dark island too, but you chose the path of fear. It was your twin's focus and determination in loving you without fail that helped you out of the land of denial. However, if you shut down your feelings again, you will end up back there. Even a twin pulling you out of denial is only a temporary solution unless you yourself are willing to feel and heal fully through an open heart. This is true both in the afterlife and in the physical world. Feeling the great love for my twin, I began crying nonstop. I cried not only because of his love for me, but also because I had not helped him when he needed it the most. My guide nodded, looking lovingly into my eyes. The absence of judgment from her always soothed me. Your twin has now entered a new life. The emotional damage he experienced in Atlantis and the Dark Island have caused a great rupture in his energy field and disruption inside his being, along with much confusion. Instead of acting as a man of the sun, he is now angry, driven to fight and is a bit of a loose cannon you are about to enter this life now too it is difficult to resist the pull to the other half of your soul the everlasting magnet between twins always draws them near one another once you find each other your anger at his disappearance in atlantis will have you question whether he was trustworthy just as you not taking him back in Atlantis will cause difficulties for him in trusting you. The timer within you will magnify the pull to him in the physical world and your soul will awaken at predetermined moments, setting up events to unite you. In these moments, you will experience an increased awareness of your connection to him. Once you enter the physical world, I will be with you always. You will not remember this conversation or what happened here or in Atlantis, but I will guide you. I will whisper in your ear and see you in the dream time. I will send you signs and symbols so that you can remember who you are and that you are not alone. The best way to know the truth is by trusting your inner feelings. In the turnaround time, far in the future, When the cycle of dark forces dominating the planet will begin to end, you will unify with your twin. The traumatic injuries from the initial split and the great destruction of Atlantis will present themselves, but both of you will be ready to heal by then. Until that time, the dominant force on the planet will be darkness. In the turnaround time, when these forces are making a last-ditch effort to take over the Earth. You will tell your story. Memories will appear of being on the bench in between lives as well as many critical moments of other lives. You will also share our many Dreamtime conversations from within the lifetimes. Your story will assist twins everywhere to remember their stories and heal enough to be drawn back to their twins too. You will speak of your life in Atlantis and the initial split between you and your twin and your reunification process will help others so that their timers will be triggered to and begin healing their splits from their twins. The greatest challenge will be the work that you and your twin will do to heal the initial split. You will work to surpass the pain and loss that resulted from all that occurred in Atlantis during your soul's first human incarnation. There will be many challenges that the dark ones, feeling pushed out through great love in the turnaround time, do not want to go and will actively interfere in all twin relationships. Many beings from the Atlantean time period will incarnate in the turnaround time as a circle of life brings them back for healing. There will be some who will attempt to recreate the destruction of Atlantis depending on which side of love they choose. There is no middle ground here. There is dark or light, fear or love. Many will need to choose. Large groups of twins will be on the planet once again trying to find one another and open the flow of great love. Many will reawaken and remember they have a twin, a divine counterpart, a perfect match. The timer in your soul will release information at the time when it can be heard and assimilated and when light begins to dominate the planet once again, as it did before the dark ones infiltrated Atlantis, your memory will awaken. You will have full recollection of your past lives, your soul's inception, and the initial split. As your memory returns, you will write your story. The information will be released to you in stages and will rekindle the knowledge already present within your soul. This process will occur without interrupting your life's lessons and your soul's progression until the time you have grown enough so that you can understand and impart this information to others. The timer's release requires emotional growth and an open heart, especially towards your twin. Until then, any anger and blame towards your twin must heal in order to unify fully with the twin. By reunifying, twins will heal the planet. As soul halves become one again, they will strengthen the force of great love on the planet. Love will replace fear. This will move the darkness out. When you, while you have learned much here, imprinted on your soul is the emotional distress from your time in Atlantis. Once you enter the body, you will be covered with a veil of forgetfulness and the laws of the physical world will dominate. The veil of forgetfulness will prevent you from remembering the experiences you had between lifetimes. The imprinting of the deep emotions of separation and heartache inside your soul regardless of understanding gained on the bench or in the dream time, will remain dormant and draw you to circumstances and relationships that will create a platform for healing. Many call this karma. Whatever is unresolved in one lifetime will show up in the next. The pull to your twin, the timer in your soul, and the force field of light will always move you towards healing and unifying with your twin. This is true for all. Once you heal, all memory is opened for everything. In between lives, the dream time, everything, everywhere becomes one as twins merge. This is the end of Chapter Three of *The Turnaround Time* by Liz Graham and Nolan. And this has been Pages in Stages, an auditory experience. I'm Joelle, the librarian here on the Vibradio Radio Network. Thank you for tuning in this evening for tonight's live reading. I hope that you will turn in next week as we will be starting Chapter 4. Okay, thank you so much. I wish you all of the blessings that you can possibly hold this week, that they're spilling out into abundance into the world around you, and I honor absolutely the light and beauty that is within each of you.